0: Good evening. I'm going to take the opportunity again to welcome everyone back again tonight. And like Steve said, there are several of our youth and others are away at Tri-State tonight. Uh, We pray that they are uplifted. Uh, We know this is a great opportunity for them and also for them to have a Christian fellowship with youth from across the area. Uh, we also pray that they have a safe trip home also. Uh, Tri-State, it is a it is a good work. It's very beneficial to our youth, and in turn, that's beneficial for our growth and also for spreading of the word. One other thing that hadn't really been mentioned that much except for the timing and schedule, and that's, I uh, wanna make thanks to the eldership for, uh, yeah, for whoever uh, for updating the church directories. Uh, you know, when we talk about things that are a good work, uh, you know, this is definitely one of the things that may not think so, but a lot of people, you know, use those and rely on those. I know it benefits, I know that benefits a lot of people. Uh, I also know that when the church is being held together with duct tape it's been used a lot, <laughs> so that's something that's been that that gets put, you know put to good use. So want to thank to those that are uh, thank you to those involved in that, and for getting the pictures and getting that information updated. Uh, the text for tonight's sermon will be coming from the book of Luke chapter 11, and we'll be discussing the subject of prayer. Before I begin, just kind of want to start with something I heard on TV this week. Uh, with my subject tonight being on prayer, Thursday I was just kind of curious, so I flipped over to the news and for that for the coverage of the National Day of Prayer. First, I really disagree to some degree that there is a national, you know, a once-a-year national day of prayer. Uh, on prayer and National Day, I mean, prayer should be, that should be an everyday event for us us as Christians. Uh, Our prayer life should be one that we praise our Lord and Savior each and every day, not just emphasis put on for one day out of the year. But I was working on one of my wood carvings and I had the TV turned on, so I was just kind of listening to it, to the coverage and just, really, like I said, just curious to be in what was being said. And as I was listening, I heard one of the speakers get up and say something, I'm going to paraphrase, but that Christianity was a religion without rules. And that all that one had to do to be saved was to ask Jesus to come into their hearts. Then that person started their prayer with a version of the sinner's prayer. I know you've heard this several times, whether it's from Steve or Doug or whoever, but there is no mention of that, of a sinner's prayer anywhere, and it's never even alluded to in the Bible. I know for me, and it should be to every Christian, and you know, upsetting to hear someone that misleads people like that. You know, the Bible's very clear on the subject that in order for a first person to be saved, they must obey the gospel, repent of their sins, be baptized, and live a faithful <laughs> life. I feel that Satan preys on people who are simply looking for an easy way out. And I think that's also why this is so appealing because there is a lot of in this world that they just simply are looking for that easy way out. But the end result of that is a spiritual death and it should it should be something that each and every one of us like I said, it should it should upset each one and every one of us, and we, you know, encourage us to spread the word. Um, this is why each and every one of us as Christians should, you know, must be diligent in our faith. Must check and prove everything we hear. Must not take anyone's word for gospel truth without first checking it against the word of God. Just kind of had to get that in. <laughs> Again, I know. You hear this a lot of time from whoever gets up here, but just, just don't, take, don't take my word for it, don't take our word for it, for whoever's. Check everything. And we need to take responsibility for our, for our own salvation. But kind of back to the subject, that hand on prayer. What is prayer? Well, simply, it's our opportunity to talk to God. I think it's something we'll all agree with, We talk to God through prayer and then God in turn conveys to us His message through scripture. But to dig a little deeper, what exactly do we mean, what is prayer? Well, we see in Philippians 4.6 that prayer is supplication. It's a request regarding a need. Philippians 4.6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let let your request be made known to God. That is to be done with thanksgiving. And that we are to let our request be made known, made known be made known to God. We also see in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3 that prayer, that in prayer we make intercession, a request on behalf of someone else. And that is our opportunity to express our gratitude to our Lord, God, and Savior. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior. Prayer is also a way for Christians to talk to our Creator, to ask God. James 4.2 says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. John 16.24 says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. But it's also a way for us to ask help for others. It's also a way for us to ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now these are just a few things prayer is to us as Christians. Now, I'm just almost certain everybody's familiar with tonight's text, and that's the model prayer given to us by Jesus to his disciples. But there are a few things here that I'd like for us to look at a little more in depth. Let's start by reading Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Now, it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, in heaven hallowed be thy name for your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and he said to them which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me 3 loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and i have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and say do not trouble me the door is now shut and my children are in bed or with me in bed i cannot rise and give you give to you i say to you though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend Yet, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he, be, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him instead a serpent or a, instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If then, being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give to the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here we have the account of Jesus' disciples asking him to teach them how to pray, and shouldn't come as much surprise because in all four gospel accounts, it's recorded several times that Jesus would receive or recede or pull away from everyone to be alone so that he could pray. So the disciples had often seen him do this. Now, the subject of prayer was not foreign to those who followed him. But if you take and think for a minute, most of those who followed him were probably Jews. There were some Gentiles, but several who eventually would become his apostles were Jews. Now shouldn't a Jew know how to pray? But I feel that probably those who followed him saw the power that Jesus had through his prayer and they wanted to know how they could do the same. Which leads me to a thought, do you think that maybe they felt a little inadequate in their prayer or any prayer they had you know, seen before compared to the power of prayer of Jesus? The natural follow up to that would be if we at times feel that our prayer may be inadequate or not as effective as it could be, that maybe we need to strive to also pray the way Jesus prayed. I know at times I feel that I need to be more diligent and more effective in my prayer life. That at times I feel I need to be sure that my prayer life is in line with exactly what God wants and exactly what He's instructed us to do. I know that even the thought that my prayer would not be heard by God is terrifying as it should be to everyone. Yet, we read that in John chapter 9, verse 31 says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, and does his will, he hears him. I know when I was a teenager, that most times when I would lead a prayer in public, I would often use a phrase, and I picked it up somewhere, that I would ask for forgiveness of our many, many sins, I'd usually say that twice, which I never really put much, much thought into that until one time a friend came up to and told me she would appreciate it if I would only use one, many, one time instead of because the many, many part, I guess, made her feel a little guilty. but. I say that because sometimes we we go by, we learn by example. We hear things and we get into habits and we we use certain phrases. So, and sometimes we need to sit back and evaluate just exactly what it is that we are saying and phrases that we are using. And if those prayers are sincere and from our heart. But on... Back to to our subject. As I work more and more on this subject of prayer, I thought of several questions that I think we all should ask ourselves. Where did you learn to pray? Did someone teach you? Did it come from watching others? Maybe from your parents? Or maybe you learned it in Bible school? on a Sunday you know, Sunday class. And parents, this is just another good reason and it's a fantastic reason that kids need to be going to Sunday school. It's very important. I know I can remember as a child being taught in Sunday school, not just Bible stor- stories, but those ladies, they saw the importance to cover subjects such as prayer. It may have been something we learned as an early age That was as simple as we do the little finger thing with the open the doors. And, you know, we taught our kids that. And that taught our kids, one, we keep our hands to ourselves and we keep them still. And we can bow our heads. So they learn. They learn that way. And it's a beginning. And we build on that. But it may be something as simple as that to start off with. It took me till much later in life to realize just how much I actually did learn in Sunday school as a child. But with that, it always also made me realize just how much those ladies who taught those Sunday school classes, how much they really cared. And I know that's the same here at Shoto. Not everyone has had the privilege of learning subjects like this at an early age or in a Sunday school class. Some have had to learn things as an, these things as an adult. but whether as a child or as an adult, most learn by observation, by watching others, either in a class setting or here in the auditorium. And this is again, is another reason why our kids need to be in worship service. I know Eric used this as a Wednesday night devo, but we need to realize that our kids learn by watching. whether it's prayer, communion, reverence, singing, or whatever part of our service, know that someone, whether it's our kids, but someone is watching and learning from what we're doing. And that's why we need to always be sure that what we are doing is exactly in accordance with God's will. And the noise that comes from those young ones, people, that's growth. I mean, that's the future of our congregation. But... Who should our prayers be directed to? I know this gets asked a lot of times, or at least I've heard it asked several times. First and foremost, they should be directed to God the Father, as seen in our text in Matthew 6, 9, verse 9 starts off with, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In all things, God the Father has has the foremost position. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. And Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So here we're directed in Colossians that we are to give thanks and that's directed to God the Father. Giving thanks to the Father, but whatever we do, we do in the name of the Lord Jesus, that we are to give thanks to the Father through Him. So foremost, foremost, our prayers are to be directed to God the Father. I know one time somebody asked me about the Apostle Paul asking the Lord about the thorn in his flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, and that Paul was asking Jesus to remove the thorn in the flesh, so he was praying to that. So, kind of, you know, he he brought up the question, so who do we pray to? And, well, again, Scripture tells us, again, that that foremost position is that we are to ask God through Jesus. But scripture, Scripture tells us that Jesus is to be honored just as the Father. John chapter 5, verse 23 says that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. We are to ask God through Jesus. And this we read in John 14, 13 through 14, which says, and whatever ye ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified In the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Another comfort we are given is that the Holy Spirit—that of the Holy Spirit—the Holy Spirit works in our works for us in our weakness. What if during prayer we forget to ask God something? We just totally—I mean, does He just totally ignore it if we fail to ask? Does he somehow know what we should have asked for? Or are we penalized for somehow somehow for forgetting? Well, Romans 8, 26-27 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for all for the Saints according to the will of God <clears throat> excuse me here we read that the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness but like I said that the Spirit makes that intercession for us God knows that most times we may not actually know just exactly what we should be praying for. Or maybe simply because it's a lack of knowledge on our part. Or maybe it's just simply a distraction on our part. Kind of compare it to, have you ever sat down and listened to a young child pray, especially prayers before they go to bed? I know I've heard kids pray for everything under the sun except maybe what they should be praying for. And I know sometimes they get sidetracked on what's in the toy box instead of exactly what they should be praying for. But you know, and then they they totally skip over what they should be. But it's, it's what's on their mind at the time. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like that. When we're acting something like that child, not knowing exactly what we're supposed to be pre- asking for, the Holy Spirit makes that intercession for us, knowing what our needs are. So, back to our how should we pray? I don't mean physically, meaning standing, sitting, face up, face down, so on. That part. there's scripture after scripture after scripture so it's that mentions every various type, standing, sitting, whichever. But I'm talking more about mentally how we should pray. What should be our mindset when we enter into prayer with our Lord? First, our prayer must be sincere. Matthew 6, 5 says, and when you pray, You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Some, especially in the denominational world, some like to add showmanship. I mean, it's as simple as that, to add emphasis to their public prayer. That's not what God wants god sees everything and god knows everything including our hearts so we need to be sincere when it comes to our prayer life second our prayers must be humble luke chapter 18 verses 10 through 14 says two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector the pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself god went down to his house justified rather than the the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we're not to pray to gain the attention of others or to promote ourselves or to make ourselves look important. We're to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord in our prayers. Third, we're to pray fervently or earnestly. Exactly what does that mean? Well, with great passion. So we're to pray with, this, with great passion. We see a couple examples of this. One is the example of Elijah. James 5.17 records this, that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on that land for three years and six months. Another example is of, was Jesus. As Jesus was on that cross, when we, we are told he prayed earnestly or intensely or with that passion in Luke 22:44, which says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Fourth, we're to pray with persistence. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing." It means we're supposed to be pray. We're pray without giving up. And Romans twelve twelve says, "Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually continuing steadfastly in prayer." says we're to continue steadfastly in prayer again we're to pray without giving up how many times have you asked for something say when you were a kid you wanted something and you you know it's kind of like when you're on a trip and they're going you know are we there yet are we there yet are we yet sooner or later they shut up you know i don't think i've ever heard a kid go 500 miles are we there yet are we there you know pretty soon they give up but it's the same way with them asking for something. Pretty soon they lose interest. When we pray, we are to pray with persistence, without that giving up, continuing steadfastly in that prayer. Fifth, we are to pray with faith, knowing that what we ask God, God has the power to give. James 1, five through six says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who, has, who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. When we say we're to pray with faith, Sometimes, again, we don't know what we're we're asking for, or maybe we're asking for something that just doesn't apply. I know sometimes we pray for someone who's sick and they end up passing away. You know, in all things, we should always pray that God's will be done and not ours. We shouldn't be as arrogant, but, for we should pray, like I said, that we know, with that knowledge that, that he has the power to give. If a six-year-old keeps asking you for a pocket knife, do you give him a razor-sharp pocket knife? No. It's, it's, God knows what we need. And when we pray, we need to have that faith that he's going to provide for us what we need at that time. 6th, 6th, we are told to be thankful. In all that we do, say and ask, we are always to give thanks to God the Father. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think this one, to be thankful, is one that's often overlooked. You know when your kids finally say thank you for something without you having to force them to you know when they're little it it just kind of gets to you and it's it's the same way it gets it's it's that that warm feeling well it's the same way with god we should always be thankful for everything that we're blessed with and we should also every time that we pray, give thanks for what we have. And we've covered several things that we should keep in mind when we approach God in prayer or things that just touch, you know, these things, they just touch the subject of prayer. I've tried to give just basically highlights of a, of a very big subject and to provide some of what those major points are. But I do think that each, each of us should sit back routinely and take time and sit down and think about our prayer life. Do we pray every day? More, more importantly, how often every day? Do we only pray when we have a problem? Or do we just kinda have a prayer and we get serious about prayer when we have a problem? Or do we only pray when it's convenient for us? Are our prayers something we do simply out of habit? Or is it something done with a little bit of forethought and in a way that's satisfactory to God? I know I said earlier, but it is this it earlier, but it, it is one of the saddest things that I think of and scariest things I think I can think of, and that's that my prayer would not be heard by God. This is our communication to our Creator. We need to make sure that our hearts are right with God. I, I, I pray every every night, I pray every every day for forgiveness because I know. Just like that saying, many, many sins. If we go through life, you take account on every day. Just take a day and put serious thought into it about, I'm going to try to live the most perfect, sinless life that I possibly can. And you'll start counting the number of times that we might slip up. Maybe some people have it easier than others. Maybe. Maybe some people have it harder than others, but it's just like, like I said, when I would say that many, many sins, because I feel like that's why I ask God for forgiveness. Because again, I think that scariest part would be to be lost and that that my sins would not be heard. So if there's anyone here tonight, we, we always offer an invitation if anyone here tonight needs that forgiveness, the prayers of the church, maybe they're having trials in their life, problems. Maybe you just need the support and prayers of the church emotionally. Know that we're here. And the same when that person or someone makes that decision to follow God, and put him on in baptism, again, know that the congregation's here for you at any time and we make that available as we stand and sing.